0: Welcome to the Judge John Hodgman podcast. I'm Bailiff Jesse Thorne. This week, across state felines, Adrian brings the case against her boyfriend David. They're both going to be attending graduate school in different states and can't agree on how to handle custody of their two cats. Adrian says it's more practical for David to take care of them. David thinks Adrian will miss them too much. Who's right? Who's wrong? Only one man can decide. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman enters the courtroom and presents an obscure cultural reference.
1: I fear the man who drinks water and so remembers this morning what the rest
0: of us said last night. Bail Jesse Thorne, swear them in. Please rise and raise your right hands. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? So help you God or whatever?
2: I do. I do.
0: Do you swear to abide by Judge John Hodgman's ruling, despite the fact that he hasn't had a sip of water in over 22 years, preferring instead to drink gin? I do. I do. Judge Hodgman? Adrian and David, you may be seated for an immediate summary judgment
1: in one of yours favors. Can either of you name, not the cultural reference, in fact, the direct quote from culture that I said as I entered the courtroom? Uh, David,
3: we'll start with you. I'm going to guess the uh, Japanese New Wave horror film, Jigoku.
1: Jigoku. I know how to spell it. J-I-G-O-K-U?
3: That is correct.
1: Fantastic. I'll let the listener in on a little secret. Uh, The first time we recorded this, there was a problem with my mic. I fixed it now, but uh, David was very kind and spelled Jigoku for me and then explained what this uh, Japanese New Wave horror movie is all about. What is it about?
3: It's about hell, and there's a scene where a bunch of very bad people uh, toast to each other and drink some uh, poisoned alcohol and die and spend the rest of the movie in Japanese hell.
1: I've engraved that now in the Peter Guest book. It's a good guess, I have to say, David, because there is obviously a drinking-slash-toast theme to the quote. Did you just have that in your back pocket? You had Jugoku in the chamber there?
3: Uh, No, I didn't. Uh, But it was the first thing
1: that occurred to me. Oh, okay. I love a guy who thinks of deep cuts first. Adrian, it is now your turn to guess. Uh, You may not guess Jigoku, the Japanese new wave horror film that we are all fans of. What is your guess? (laughs)
2: Uh, It sounds kind of like something Ernest Hemingway might say. So I'm just going to say the only... Ernest Hemingway book I've read, which is The Sun Also Rises.
1: Well, you don't even have to say the name of the title. I'm only looking for the person who is being quoted. So we'll say Ernest Hemingway. And is that your final answer? Good. All guesses are wrong. Didn't want to wait for that one. Because if you thought about it for even a further second, either one of you might have come to the conclusion that the speaker was Benjamin Franklin, famous American aphorist and electrician, specifically a Benjamin Franklin quote that is engraved itself upon pewter on a tankard that is for sale for $83 in the online gift shop for Colonial Williamsburg, where I believe you both work. Is that correct? That is true. Yes. So, A- I am so delighted to have you both here because I have many questions for you. And B, you should be (laughs) very ashamed of yourselves. You don't know your inventory as well as you should. Pewter beer tankard with Ben Franklin, quote, $83. Uh, and, And you may have your own custom engraving as well, if you wish. Hand engraving or machine engraving. It's up to you. This has been buzz marketing for Colonial Williamsburg. But this is not what your case is all about. Your case is about custody over some cats. I was going to read a quote from the famous sad child custody movie Kramer vs. Kramer, too depressing. Last minute, found the Benjamin Franklin quote. Feel better about it. You guys currently cohabitate. Is that correct, Adrian? Yes. And uh, and you are not married?
2: That is correct.
1: All right. That's fine. I'm fine with it. But you do have two <laughs> cats. And in fact, you are going to decohabitate. cohabitate and the question is, who is going to keep the cats? Do I understand this dispute correctly, Adrian? Yes. I mean, for the period of time that you are non, this is not a permanent decohabitation. You're not breaking up. Do I understand that correctly?
2: Yes, it's just for the next two years.
1: Okay. Now, Adrian, you bring the case. What is the situation? Why are you guys um, uh, splitting up your household?
2: Well, um, so David is moving down to Georgia, and I am going up to New Haven. And so the cats that we have, um, we adopted them together as uh, not siblings, but they're, they're best friends. And so, well, we need to keep them together. Uh, and so we have to decide which of us is going to take them both. And I think that David should take them.
1: Now, I do not know if there are any sort of weird Westworldly historical reenactment parks like Colonial Williamsburg in Georgia. I do know in New Haven, they have an, an old-timey university world called Yale. But if you're not leaving Colonial Williamsburg to go be robots in another pretend old-timey park, why are you guys leaving your uh, colonial home, Adrian?
2: Uh, we are both going to graduate school. So I'm going to the aforementioned weird old-timey college uh, in New Haven and David is going to the University of Georgia. Um, I'm doing a master's program, so it'll just be two years, and David is going to do a PhD, so he'll be there for longer, and so I'm going to move down to Georgia when I'm finished with my program.
1: And I applaud you both for furthering your education and and getting secondary degrees. Uh, Given that you both work in Colonial Williamsburg, may I presume that one of you is getting a master's degree in blacksmithing, and the other is getting a PhD in town crying? (laughs) Uh,
2: It would be a fair guess, but I am getting my master's degree in early music, and David is going for his PhD in history.
1: Fantastic. All right. Well, congratulations to you both. You're going to be apart for two years studying your obsession with the past, uh, your mutual obsession with the past. Before we talk about your delightful cats and look at pictures of them and make Jesse respond to that, <laughs> what? I, I presume that there are pictures of the cats in the evidence. Yes, I see. All right, I'm already seeing them. Okay, Jesse, you're going to have a good time. Oh, there's one that's really. Oh, my goodness. Okay. <laughs> At
0: this point, I'm basically one of those salivating rats or whatever it was. Like, you just think you can ring a bell and I'll start being delighted by an animal. All
1: right, let's put it to the test. Jesse, will you please <laughs> scroll down to the evidence submitted by Adrian? What are the names of these cats?
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, so the, the mostly <laughs> the mostly white one who uh, has become known in the past few hang on, days. Hang as on, the trash Adrian. Let's let
1: the bailiff get this out of
0: the system.
2: What is the cat's head in the glass? Is it going to?
0: The cat put his head in a glass. It's the kind of glass with a bump three quarters of the way up, you know. <laughs> and so it looks like a funny space cat. And I think this glass is going to get stuck on the head. And then it's going to walk around with a glass on its head, like, ooh, I'm a cat.
1: I want the listeners to know that Jesse is still on the first of several photos that have been submitted by Adrian into evidence. And these photos, of course, are available uh, at the Judge John Hodgman page at MaximumFund.org and on our Instagram at Instagram.com slash Judge John Hodgman. <laughs> this
0: one, the cat is looking very fat. Yeah. Oh trash cat! <laughs> trash cat. There's a trash cat picture. It's a cat in the trash. <laughs> Don't put your cat in the trash. You can put it in the cat house. Okay.
1: Um so there you go. The Pavlovian experiment worked again. Jesse did drool when I rang the bell. <laughs> to all of our delights.
0: Can we address that in these all of these pictures, Adrian and David are wearing colonial garb? <laughs> Except for this one where David is wearing it looks like a colonial ruff and coat yes. and shirt yes, and then maybe blue jeans
1: yes <laughs> Yeah, there's a little bit of denim in in his colonial Williamsburg garb, it looks like to me. But yes, Jesse, you have revealed this is the big third act reveal of the evidence section is that not only do we have a number of incredibly cute cats, that number being two specifically, but also two incredibly cute owners wearing their colonial Williamsburg garb in the evidence submitted to this courtroom. I don't know if it's possible to judge between these two. May I judge them both winners? Because it's incredible. It's incredible what you guys have brought to us today. Thank you. You're welcome. Now, I have some questions about these photos that will guide our discussion further. Uh, First of all, there is a photo of a very curious cat that is uh, white with tabby highlights. This cat is named... Claudio. Claudio, and it is a... Claudio identifies as a he. Yes. And he is putting his head into a water glass to drink some water, and it does look a little perilous. Claudio likes to get into things because the next photo is Claudio inside a, a kitty condo, a rugged, a berugged kitty condo. And then there's also this photo of Claudio inside the trash can, which is a delight. And there's also a photo of Claudio just hanging out on a wall to wall carpet with his mouth, just hanging open like a big old dum-dum. I love that one.
0: Can we <laughs> let the record reflect that as a dog person, I don't, Respond in a ridiculous manner to pictures of cats doing normal cat things. I have a higher standard that requires them to be in a funny thing, or to be trying to do a funny thing. Right. Dogs are cute, but cats are proud.
1: And the best part is a photo of a cat that has gotten itself into a garbage can, and is looking up. And it's like, I know. I'm. This is humiliating to me. That's. What is the name of this uh, delightfully fat black cat with um, uh, tuxedo highlights?
2: That is Callisto. She is a female cat.
0: Callisto or Callista? Callisto. Callisto Flockhart? <laughs> the, the famous wife of Harrisina Ford? That's right.
1: Claudio and Callisto, they do seem to be a delight. They do seem to be best friends. All By the way, all over the, the country, uh, people are driving their cars listening to this podcast. going, Do you remember when uh, the Judge John Hodgman podcast heard disputes between people instead of just looking at pets and laughing? Like, what happened to that podcast? It's just about people laughing at cats now. It's like, yeah, well, you know, Hodgman got toxoplasmosis about a year ago, and it's all he does. He does a podcast where he narrates pictures of animals. Probably, you know what? It would be very successful, Jesse. We should think about doing that as a spinoff. The Meow Boys. All right. So, these two, you adopted them together or separately? Together. And you guys are how old?
2: We're both 24.
1: All right. Oh, wow. You're young people. How long have you guys um, been living together in old-timey Williamsburg, uh, Virginia?
2: Coming up on two years. Oh, wow.
1: And now it is time to part. And the question before this court is, who shall take the cats with them? And if I've read this uh, brief correctly, you're both trying to pawn these two delightful cats off on the other. Is that correct, David?
3: Yes, that is correct. I wouldn't put it like that, but yes. (laughs) Yes. David, why don't
1: you love these cats and why don't you want to live with them? Are they shedding all over your
3: frock coat? Well, yes, but that's not the reason why I, uh, why I want Adrian to take them. Uh, so I love these cats very, very much. Uh, but we did get them in part because Adrian needed to have cats in her life. Um, which is a desire that I very much respect and support and, uh, when uh, when we are apart, uh, we're going to do our best to see each other as much as possible. Um, but because of Adrian's schedule with rehearsals and performances and all of that stuff, I'm going to be the one visiting her for the most part, mm-hmm. which means that if I give up the cats, I'm still going to see them all the time. If she gives up, well, not all the time, but semi-frequently. Right. If she gives up the cats and I take them, then for two years – a tenth of their life, assuming that they're going to live at least to 20, she's not going to see them. And I think that uh, she would be very sad to part with them. I think she is in some ways in denial about how sad she'd be to be without the cats. And so I think she should take them for the next two years and then bring them down so that we can all be together in Georgia. And that is the end
1: game of your uh, master's and Ph.D. programs, correct? Correct. You go, you'll end up in Georgia together while you finish your Ph.D. in history. Yes. And what, what area of history are you studying? A Japanese New Wave uh, Horror Cinema or what?
3: Um, I'm going to be studying uh, 19th century American history um, and Southern history. Uh, I can go into more detail on that, but that's what it is broadly. I have
1: every confidence you could go into more detail, but we will save that <laughs> for the nonce. It's a little old-timey talk that I just dropped in there, Jesse, to make David delighted. Set him at ease. Thank you. I'm thanking you on behalf of David. Well, actually, I would prefer that you say thanky. By by the way, I am wearing my powdered wig and my uh, breeches. We'll say that. Okay, David, um, are you being totally honest with this court or is it that you just don't want to clean out this litter box anymore and you want to go down to Georgia and study up your your wild 18th century American history while the cats are away. Uh, uh, David will play. Be honest.
3: I I am being honest, your honor. And I think you can uh, ask Adrian and she will confirm that. I, I delight. Oh, I will ask cats.
1: Adrian, sir. <laughs> Sorry. I just needed to, um, ex, you know, establish my, my uh, dominance in this courtroom. If I ask Adrian, she'll say the same. Yes. All right. Watch this. Stand by. Adrian? Yes. I'm asking you now Does David want you to take these cats because he's a lazy cat taker care of her?
2: No. Um, he loves the cats very much. And in fact, I think that he himself may be underestimating how much he would miss them. So, wait but a minute. That is not my main. <laughs>
1: So that so is that the main reason you don't want these cats either? You think he's going to miss them too much?
2: No, that's that's supplemental.
1: All right, what's your main reason for not wanting these cats around while you go to Yale University to study early music and play your plink plonk music on your string bow or whatever it is? Your uh, what's an old timey instrument, Jesse?
0: Class harp. Yeah, glass harp. That sounds really good. Yeah, are you
1: going to learn to play a glass harp or a glass harmonica, as invented by Benjamin Franklin? It's a bunch of little wine glasses full of different levels of water, and they go
2: woo 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 woo. Is that what you're going to do? <laughs> uh, no, I think I I missed my opportunity in doing that while I was at Colonial Williamsburg. But uh,
1: oh, you got a glass harmonica down there?
2: Uh yeah. There there's a visiting artists. Um, there's no in-house glass harmonica player, but there is a guy who comes in and frequently um, performs on this instrument.
1: Is that a historically accurate instrument? Did Benjamin Franklin really invent that thing?
2: Yes, he did. And um, there was another uh, gentleman in town named Robert Carter. He, He also owned one of these. So it was quite the rage for a very short period of time.
1: Well, no, I still see them. I see see some street musicians playing them from time to time. They're really cool. And if you haven't seen one, go mm-hmm. look up, would you call it a glass harp or a glass harmonica?
2: Glass harmonica. Um, and I've seen it without the H in harmonica too. So just harmonica.
1: All right. Go have some fun with your autocorrect and try to put glass harmonica into your Google <laughs> and see what comes up.
0: Judge Hodgman, would you agree that in a way, Benjamin Franklin is the creator of the Judge John Hodgman podcast? In that he was the man who established the American tradition of coming up with your own weird system that is better than the system that everyone else (laughs) around you has agreed upon.
1: He does. He is the very model of monstrous male exceptionalism. It's true.
0: Let's take a quick break to hear about one of the other awesome shows here at Maximum Fun. We'll be back in just a second on Judge John Hodgman.
1: Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating.
3: Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org.
0: Court is back in session. Let's get back into the courtroom.
1: Adrian, uh, you've alluded to the fact that you think David will miss these cats, but that's not the main reason you don't want them. Yes. What is the main reason you don't want your delightful cats, Claudio and Callisto? Uh,
2: So it's mainly a practical thing. First of all, um, David is going to be able to afford a bigger place for a lot less money than I will in New Haven. And that's the place that we're, we're going to both end up in eventually. So it'll be big enough for all of us. Uh the cats are kind of a handful which is something that I wanted to <laughs> illustrate in the evidence that I sent in. Um so they kind of they kind of need a, a lot of space.
1: Oh, you legit don't want these cats around while you're taking your master's <laughs> degree in New Haven because why? Cuz cats are terrible apartment dwellers and they usually require a separate room to themselves.
2: Well, not <laughs> I guess, well...
1: Neither of those things are true, obviously. They're amazing apartment animals, and also they can't speak English, so they can't make any demands.
2: Well, they can't speak English, but they can meow very loudly, um, especially Claudio. He's he's deaf, so he is extra loud and extra talkative and extra rambunctious, so I just don't see them doing very well in a small studio apartment. Um which I think would be all that I could afford on my own.
1: Oh, yeah, you, Do you have a place uh, picked out already?
2: No, I am I was waiting for this decision to be made for me before I start doing some more in-depth searching. But I already see that it's going to be more expensive than it will be for David.
1: As someone who has lived in New Haven, admittedly in the colonial period myself, because it was a long time ago, with a cat, I can tell you that it, has, it can be done, with more than one cat. In fact, can be done. I'm just going to say that, but you don't want them around because you think it's going to—they're going to take up a lot of your time and attention, and they're going to—and Claudio in particular is going to be loud and meowing it up while you're trying to play your bass viol or whatever you're going to do. What what ancient uh, uh, music are you interested in studying? What's your life going to be like there, in New Haven?
2: Uh, so I'm a singer, um, and I'm particularly interested in early music. Um, So I'm going to be a member of a small vocal group and, uh, yeah, singing mostly.
1: Is that what you're going to be getting your professional training in at the School of Music at Yale, or what?
2: Yes. Early music voice.
1: Early music voice. Uh, Yeah, well, let's let's hear something. Uh. (laughs) Adrian, I can't hear this case unless I know whether or not you actually have a future in the music of the past.
2: Oh, geez. Okay. I'll give you a verse of a one of John Dowland, the famous lutenist, one of his more famous songs.
0: I wouldn't say he's the most famous lutenist, but go ahead. <laughs> okay. I got a few lutenists in mind, that are, but go ahead.
2: All right. Come again. Sweet love doth now invite, thy graces that refrain, to do me due delight, to see, to hear, to touch, to kiss, to die with thee again, in sweetest sympathy.
0: Whoa. Bravo. That was amazing. You'll be setting the Thank small you. churches and living rooms of the Northeast on fire in your career as an early music vocalist and arsonist. Thank you. I hope so. <laughs> Adrian. It's a perfect cover for a dual career.
1: Adrian. That was truly amazing, and thank you so much for sharing that with us. I mean, my only regret is I didn't ask you to sing that song only using the words meow, meow, meow for my own personal reasons, Mm. but thank you very much. David, can you (laughs) sing?
2: Yes.
1: (laughs) Oh, it's amazing how your voice
3: changed, David. (laughs) Uh, I I can sing, but uh, nothing like that. Um, (laughs) Because I'm about to saddle you with some cats you don't want,
1: because Adrian just killed it.
3: Well, uh, Adrian and I uh, occasionally at work uh, sing uh, duets, usually from a book of uh, two-part madrigals by an English composer named Thomas Morley. Though she definitely carries the ensemble.
1: Second most famous madrigalist
0: after Al Madrigal.
1: <laughs> yeah, Al Madrigal is really the f- the famousest.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Hi on Al. that Showtime show about the comedy stores. So. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Okay, well, I, I would order you both now to sing a duet, but I think it would get so adorable that cars would be driving off the road and it would endanger everyone's lives. So instead, I'm going to ask more questions about your work together and, and how you met. First of all, David, tell us about, for those who may not know, what is Colonial Williamsburg?
3: Uh, So um, Williamsburg in the colonial era uh, up through 1781 was the capital of the colony and early state of Virginia. Um, The capital moved west to Richmond in 1781, and the city sort of fell out of use, but a lot of buildings uh, were very, very well preserved. And so in in the 20s, thanks to a generous gift of blood money from John D. Rockefeller Jr., um, a group of archaeologists, historians, architects restored the city. So now it's a restored colonial capital. It sits on about a mile of land, uh, several hundred acres. People wear 18th century clothing and uh, give tours of houses, demonstrate 18th century skills and material culture and, um, stage scenes from historical events and uh things like that and occasionally fall in love well uh, we were actually in love when we got there adrian and i met in college in uh in pittsburgh and actually both got jobs at colonial williamsburg at the same time when we were already in a relationship and already had been for a few years so we both moved down there uh together
1: Were you always interested in history? Was it your goal to move together to this replica of the past and just wear frock coats and sing madrigals together?
3: Well, um, I uh, majored in history in my uh, undergrad. Uh, Adrian um, started focusing on early music around the uh, same time. I was interested in working in museums, and when we realized that – There were musician jobs at Colonial Williamsburg that actually perfectly suited Adrian's skill set. We decided to both apply in the hopes that we would both get jobs and uh, both be able to move down there. And so what do you guys do at Colonial Williamsburg? What is your job? My job is I'm called a site interpreter, which means that I give tours of... Houses, historic sites, uh, things like that. In costume and in character? I am not in character,
1: but I am in costume. All right. (laughs) I only half approve. Adrian, what's your gig?
2: I am a music interpreter, and um, more specifically, I'm a member of the group known as the Governor's Music Ensemble. We're sort of the resident Baroque ensemble at Colonial Williamsburg. Um, And so we do a range of different uh, levels of formality of performance. So we'll do one formal evening concert once a week. And then throughout the rest of the week, I'll be sitting in a house practicing on the harpsichord, answering people's questions as they wander through a building.
1: When you're plunking on the harpsichord and people are asking you questions, when you answer them, do you talk in old-timey language? Are you in character or no? No.
2: No, I'm I'm not in character. Is anyone in character down there? Yes, there there are character interpreters. Um, they portray specific people from history, and there are what's known as the nation builders. That's the uh, oh. Thomas Jefferson, George Washington people.
1: Can you guys leave and get some of those weirdos on my podcast? Because I wanted to talk to
2: them. <laughs> they are very interesting and talented so i'm sorry that i'm no you guys
1: are very interesting and talented as well and when is your last day there
2: uh well my last day appropriately enough is the fourth of july (laughs)
1: little on the nose adrian (laughs)
2: yes
1: (laughs) all right so we got to decide what's going to happen quite soon will you do me this favor though adrian i know that you don't play a particular character and you're not even technically in character when you're doing your harpsichord. But at some point when, before you quit, maybe on your last day, when someone asks you a question, no matter what the question is, just whisper in there, ear these violent delights will have violent ends.
2: <laughs> um, Good. I can, so ordered. I can promise to think
1: about it. <laughs> well, I'm ordering you to do it unless you want some cats. You don't want so much that you, okay. That you claim to love. All right. Who takes care of the cats the most now?
2: I think it's pretty equal. We we both have certain things that we tend to do more of. I do more of the feeding of the cats. David uh, cleans out the, the litter boxes. Um, David also plays with the cats more than I do, um, and I would say that I cuddle or attempt to cuddle with them more than he does. So I, I would say it's a pretty even split of both um, responsibilities and and enjoyment of the cats. Have you considered a,
1: a kind of a split custody agreement where you feed the cats in New Haven in the morning and then drive them down to Georgia for them to poop in the evening? <laughs>
2: um, I, can, I can honestly say we have not considered that.
1: Well, why not another kind of uh, split custody uh, arrangement, such as separating the cats or having the cats for a, a year in... Uh, New Haven, and give, give, having the cats for a year in Georgia, and then you all are reunited after two years in Georgia.
2: Well, I'm all about um, spending as little money as possible. So if I'm going to get an apartment that I have to pay some kind of, well, either pay to get a larger apartment to house the cats, or to have to pay some kind of pet fee, I, I'm not going to do that if we're we're both going to have them at some point.
1: Okay. I got you. And after all, you're you're only paid in, in uh, copper pennies,
3: after all.
2: Of course.
1: What kind of place are you going to have in, in Georgia? Uh, are, you, are you going to Atlanta, Georgia, David, or somewhere else in Georgia?
3: I'm going to be living in Athens, Georgia. Oh, right. And uh, Athens, Georgia is very cheap. Um, I'm currently looking at potentially living in a small townhouse for less than we currently pay now for our smallish apartment. So I I it is true that I'm going to have more space for a lot less money than Adrian is going to have. Yeah, that sounds like a,
1: a really good deal because that way the cats can probably have their own floor
3: and some stairs to run up and down and stuff. That that all is true.
1: So where do you think honestly David, the cats would have a better quality of life?
3: That's a very piercing question. Um I suppose that I'd be forced to admit that they'd probably have a higher quality of life uh, living uh, with me for the next two years, in part because it would spare them several very lengthy moves. They do not like being in the car. Uh, Mm -hmm. They do not like being in their boxes. So if they came down with me, they'd only have to do that once. Uh, They would have more space. Um, But while I do... uh, prize the well-being of my cats and the happiness of my cats very much. Uh, they, are so, they also are animals, and Adrian and I are humans, and I believe that inconveniencing the cats in as much as uh, having to move them several times and maybe giving them a little less space for the next two years uh, would be worth it for Adrian's quality of life and uh, quality of frequent cat interactions.
1: You're saying that Adrian's quality of life and happiness is more important than the cat's emotions and that she would suffer without the cats. Is that so? Yes. But you have heard her argument. She says she doesn't want these cats. She doesn't want the cats because they're going to interfere with her historical music lifestyle in New Haven, Connecticut. How do you answer that?
3: Um, Well, uh, I believe that in part, she's in a little bit of denial. Um, when we, when we go on vacation, uh, if we're apart, hang
1: on a second, for... you, you think that she doesn't know her own emotions.
3: I'm not sure I'd go that far. Yes. In this case, um, <laughs> not that she doesn't know, but that she knows and that she's buried that awareness under layers of practicality and uh, concern about having to move the cats around and have them live in a small space for two years. So you see, Jesse, Um, the
1: dudes thinking that they know their spouse's minds better than their own spouse's. It goes back to at least the 18th century. We know that now as a part of history.
3: I knew this was going to happen.
0: On this day, David does not get a check in his virtue box.
3: (laughs) Adrian, how
1: do you feel? I mean, I want you to be honest. Do you think you might be underestimating the emotional trauma of not being near Claudio and Callisto?
2: Maybe. But I also think I could get over it. <laughs> I also think that it's it's not that I think they will interfere with my activities. It's that I just think I won't be home as frequently as they would want me to be. I might not even get to see them that much if they were living with me, except in the morning and when I get home at night. I just, I mean, I don't know this for sure, but I think I'm going to have a very busy daytime schedule, whereas David, of course he will be busy, but I think a lot of his work could be done at home. He'll be, you know, grading papers and the cats can come and sit on the papers and enjoy. Right.
1: And and in Athens, Georgia uh life has lived more slowly than in the hustle bustle of new haven connecticut where you're going to be singing in your apartment and those cats are going to be meowing along with you and all your neighbors are going to be hitting the ceilings with brooms saying quiet <laughs> but none of that matters to me adrian i asked david a, a piercing question thank you david i appreciate that compliment which was, where does he believe that cats will have a better quality of life? Now I'm going to ask you a piercing question. And I order you to tell the truth. Whom, between you, do these cats love more?
2: Well, I, I really don't know. They definitely allow me to get closer to them. But I think that's also... Because of my cat parenting style, I'm very much into picking them up, and David is not. I think that they could grow to allow David to pick them up if he just tried to do it. Um, so I think it really depends on their mood. If they're in a cuddly mood, they they show more affection to me. But, I don't know, you should see them playing with their, their bird and mouse toys with David. That's the, That picture of Claudio with his mouth hanging open that is a cat panting, which I never knew cats could do, but yeah. David really gets him worked up and uh, I think they would miss out on that.
1: You never knew cats could do that? Did you not grow up with cats?
2: I did, but I uh I uh, I guess I've never gotten a cat to leap through the air so so well as <laughs> David can.
1: It's a lot a lot of words for a simple question. It seems like you're evading the answer. That's fine. <laughs> I have one more question to ask before I go uh, into my own carpeted kitty condo, judge size, that I call my chambers and make my decision. Who has had cats longer in their lives? David or Adrian?
2: I think probably me.
1: Mm-hmm. David, would you uh, disagree with that?
3: No, I'd agree.
1: Did you have cats growing up?
3: Uh... I did, but not until uh, my middle school years. And I believe Adrian grew up with cats from very early on. Adrian, have you ever had a time
1: when you haven't had a cat in your life?
2: Um, When I was away at college.
1: Oh, okay. Gotcha. All right. I think I've heard everything I need to in order to make my decision. I will be back in a moment. Uh, Do what the bailiff says while I'm gone.
0: Please rise as Judge John Hodgman exits the courtroom. Adrian, how are you feeling about your chances in the case?
2: I I guess I still feel pretty good from a practical standpoint, but um, I don't know. Never really know which way these are going to go.
0: David, how do you feel?
3: I feel fairly confident. I feel like that last question might have tipped the scale slightly in my favor, but of course I'll have to wait and see.
0: David, will you please, in the interest of fairness, sing a public domain song for
3: us? Um, the old gray mare or <laughs> okay i i'll sing uh, I'll sing a little bit of uh "Down by the Sally Gardens," an ancient English folk song which had words written for it by uh, Yeats in the early 19th century. Oh boy. Down by the sally gardens, my love and I did meet. She passed the sally gardens. All right, that's enough. <laughs> we'll be back
0: in just a second on the Judge John Hodgman <laughs> podcast. <laughs>
1: Hello, I'm your Judge John Hodgman. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is brought to you every week by you, our members, of course. Thank you so much for your support of this podcast and all of your favorite podcasts at MaximumFun.org, and they are all your favorites. If you want to join the many member supporters of this podcast and this network, boy, oh boy, that would be fantastic. Just go to MaximumFun.org slash join. Join. I have one of these, and I got one for my dad, and I got one for my mother-in-law, and it's amazing. We look at the photos all day long, and we're able to easily update their Aura frames so they see all the latest pictures from our lives as well. It comes with unlimited storage, simple controls on the frame. You can upload as many photos as you want, and your mom or your dad or your stepdad or your stepmom or your friend or whatever can pick the perfect one.
0: Please rise as Judge John Hodgman re-enters the courtroom and offers his verdict. In a field
1: bound by the river, my love and I did stand. And on my leaning shoulder, she laid her snow-white hand. She bid me take life easy as the grass grows, come on David, grows <laughs> on the
3: weir.
0: Here, I can help, guys. Uh, The old gray mare, she ain't what she used to be. Ain't what she used to be. Ain't what she used to be.
1: Oh, David. Goosebumps on that one. That's one of my favorite songs.
0: Well done. Judge Hodgman, it's pronounced Jesse. (laughs) J-E-S-S-E, Jesse.
1: I I do apologize. Jesse, you sang my second favorite madrigal. (laughs) Got (laughs) it. Oh. Oh, you know, I, I did not expect this when I was in my chambers hearing down by the Sally Gardens. That one's been getting me since since my old college days when I heard them whiffenpoofs sing it. So you really, you really know how to manipulate a judge, there, David. <laughs> but I'm trying to be impartial. Here's this weird situation because what we have here are two truly adorable people in the care of two. Truly adorable cats. And I am in the unenviable position of trying to decide which one of these people hates these cats more. And I do not <laughs> believe any of this tomfoolery about, mm, I think that he'll miss them more. Oh, I think she'll miss them more. Someone doesn't <laughs> want these cats around. And I feel it. You know, I grew up with cats. I rescued a cat in 1997 that lived until 2014. At which time, as I've discussed on the podcast before, Petey, the cat, began to fail and uh, passed away, uh, basically by my hand, because I brought poor Petey to a professional uh, cat dispatcher at the veterinarian. And after that, I had a, a long period where I was like, I do not, I mean, I loved my cats, the ones that I've had over the years, but I did not want a cat anymore. And I had to come to terms with my own cat loathing as wonderful as they are and as adorable as they are, whether they are panting, whether they are cuddling, whether they are in the garbage, whether they are uh, have their heads in a glass. <laughs> Eventually, sometimes you just want that cat to be in the garbage. Sorry, cats. <laughs> they take a lot out of you. They have a lot of personality. They have a lot of demands. And what's more, um, <laughs> they they poop in a box in your house and you got to take care of that. It's not a lot of fun. And one does reach a certain area of cat fatigue. And I need to take that into consideration when I am trying to tease out the truth behind your competing altruistic claims. There's one of you that doesn't want these cats more. And indeed, one of you who deserves to be catless more for a period of time. Second consideration. David believes that we are gifted by God with mastery over the beasts of the field. (laughs) And therefore, the emotional considerations of these cats should not be taken into account when determining where they should live. Now, I don't disagree completely. I believe in all human-animal partnerships, the human's needs have to come first because they're the ones dealing with all the feces. I think a certain consideration has to be given to the human mind and the human needs before the animal's needs. But your argument David does not exactly stack up because if you truly did not care about these cats, you would be considering separating them, for example, because there's one for each of you and spreading the pleasure and the pain of cat ownership in that way. But you wouldn't do it because it would presumably break these cats, little hearts to be apart from each other. They're going to go through a big change in their lives and you want them to have a certain amount of continuity. There is no question That these cats are going to be happier in a townhouse in Athens, Georgia, a cool college town, than living in an apartment on Howe Street or Chapel Street or Temple Street or Grove Street in New Haven. I've been in those apartments. They're cramped. They're smaller. They're northeastern. And that town is less cool, frankly. No offense, New Haven. But I don't know who's coming around Toad's Place these days, but it's never going to be as cool as uh, Athens, Georgia. And... You know what cats like? Cool. That's why they're cool cats. So ultimately, I have to make a decision based on the welfare of the cats as well as the welfare of the cat owner who wants to be away from them in the deepest possible way. And in this case, when I consider those two inflection points, they line up pretty clearly uh, that uh, it's been acknowledged that David's place will be better, uh, that they will have a wider range of exploration and more and more different corners and closets in which to poop. And what's more, uh, it has been acknowledged that uh, Adrian uh, has had cats for more of her life and therefore has earned the catlessness that she seeks more than David has. Is it possible that David is correct that she will miss the cats more than she anticipates? And maybe that the cats will miss her more than she assesses? Of course. And I think he's probably right in this case. Because when I asked Adrian, who do the cats love more? I got to tell you, Adrian, you prevaricated. He jumped around, all kinds of things. He makes them laugh and jump and whatever else. but You know. You knew that answer because if you knew that they loved David more, you would have just said David. But the reality is cats are fickle love one person more than the other. And maybe they love, you You know, they have differences of love for each of you. But I think the answer was obviously clear by the way you did not answer quickly, which is, yeah, they love you more. Maybe you love them more than you think. But I do feel that you've earned this experiment of 24 months of catlessness based on time previously served and also the circumstances of your life being less good for the cat's. My prediction, perhaps, you will go to New Haven, you will install yourself in your little apartment, and the ancient music song that you will be singing will be one of uh, sadness, lament, and mourning for the cats that you shipped off to Georgia for your own comfort. But this court does not litigate against regret. This court only litigates fairness. In this case, fairness to the cats. Though I predict, as per the final lines of the song, down by the Sally Gardens, that you will conclude eventually that you were young and foolish and now are full of tears, Adrian, I nonetheless find in your favor, this is the sound of a gavel. Judge John Hodgman rules that is all.
0: Please rise as Judge John Hodgman exits the courtroom. Adrian, the judge is found in your favor. How do you feel?
2: I feel good. I know that i I might be full of tears at first, but i I think it's for the best
0: Do you think you'll ever be full of tears again sure i mean I, with specifically with regard to the cats, I should be clearer, <laughs> obviously tragedy happens to all of us, et cetera et cetera et cetera. I wouldn't want to ask you to completely shut down your emotional life specifically with regard to the cats
2: um Yes, I, I think they will probably, I'm sure they will give me lots of reasons to cry throughout my life.
0: <laughs> David, how do you feel about the judge's decision?
2: Not too
3: surprised. I, I think this was always a bit of a long shot on, uh, on my part uh, and that, you know, I would have had to justify really uh, making the cat's lives difficult and Adrian's life difficult. Uh, so I guess I'd say I'm feeling pretty sanguine. Um, People in the 18th century didn't believe in the four humors, by the way.
0: No, they definitely did. One, I'm 100% on that one. They were way into humors. The bilious humor was their greatest concern. I'm not 100% sure what the bilious humor is, by the way. Adrian, David, thanks for joining us on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. <laughs> Another Judge John Hodgman case in the books. Now, before we dispense some swift justice, we want to thank Charles Lewis Richter for naming this week's episode, Across State Felines. If you'd like to name a future episode, be sure to like Judge John Hodgman on Facebook. We regularly put out a call for submissions there. You can follow us on Twitter, at Jesse Thorne and at Hodgman. Hashtag your Judge John Hodgman tweets. Hashtag JJHO. I always enjoy seeing those. And if you want to chat about the case, you can do it on the MaxFun subreddit at MaximumFun.reddit.com. This week's episode recorded by Steve Clark at WCVE Public Radio in Richmond, Virginia. Our producer and recordist here in Los Angeles, Jennifer Marmer. Now, Swift Justice, where we answer your small disputes with a quick judgment. Matthew asks, can you save a street parking space after you have shoveled it clear of snow? This has caused many arguments between my friend and me. The answer, of course, is yes. You can save the street parking space after you have shoveled it clear of snow
1: uh, using one specific method, leaving your car there. (laughs) I guarantee you very few people will take your space if your car is there. If you leave your space, then... Ethically, reasonably, it is fair game for someone else to take it. Now, I understand that in the city of Boston, Massachusetts, my home commonwealth in the region of New England, this is a contentious issue in particular, particularly a couple of years ago when the city and, and the whole region was pummeled by snow and people would dig out their spaces and they were so exhausted from digging out their car spaces that there was a a violent expectation that no one would come and park in their space while they were away. And I think by violent, I mean, if you did it, you might face uh, the kind of justice that no podcast can touch vigilante justice. And I would say that if you are uh, the one taking the space, you are doing so at the risk of at the very least wrath. But so long as you're going in with your eyes open and an understanding of that risk, You are within your reasonable ethical, moral, and legal bounds to park in that space. I just wouldn't expect your car to be in good shape. It'll probably end up with a a cone full of snow through the windshield. But, you know, there you go. I don't think it's fair to reserve a space once you have vacated it, no matter what the meteorological conditions are.
0: Judge Hodgman, there is a street here in Los Angeles, right near our office, a few blocks from where I sit now, Alvarado Boulevard. Where residents of the small apartment buildings that abut the street will use chairs and particularly fruit crates Mm -hmm. to reserve parking spaces. It is the only street in Los Angeles or indeed in California where I have ever seen this practice practiced. And it leaves my jaw agape every time I drive past at its sheer temerity. I know. But, you know, when you're in a neighborhood where that happens, whether it is
1: Alvarado Boulevard in Los Angeles or street name undisclosed in Boston, I can't think of one. I mean, you would never take one of those spaces, would you, Jesse? No, because I'd be
0: afraid that someone would mess up my car.
1: Yeah. I'm, basically, that's a signal that, like, the neighborhood is watching. And if you take a space that is occupied by a fruit crate, then you have broken the neighborhood code. And even though that is pure vigilantism, extra legal vigilantism. I think their enforcement methods are probably pretty sophisticated. And while <laughs> while you would be within your legal rights to take that space, I
0: wouldn't risk your car. By sophisticated, you mean that they're not just throwing one punch, they're throwing combos? <laughs> exactly so. XXY, XXY, up, down, left, right, two. <laughs> yeah, that's what I meant when I said combo. Mm-hmm. We'll yeah. talk to you next time on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. <laughs>
1: But I was young, and foolish. Now Adrian is Two, full three,
0: of four. tears. The old grey mare, she ain't hain't what she used to be. Ain't hain't what she used to be. Ain't hain't what she used to be. The old grey mare,
1: she ain't what hain't she, what she the used to be. What's the last part? Be. And now the podcast all in is- a bowl of blood. <laughs> sure. <laughs> That's that's actually the plot of Jigoku, the famous Japanese new wave horror movie. <laughs> maximumfun.org.
0: Comedy and culture. Artist owned.
1: Listener supported.